Hi, I'm Helleth Kendrick. And I'm Chris Keane. And this is the Recruit for Spouses podcast. Welcome to episode number 12. Today, we're talking about relationships, which, as I'm sure you know, can be quite tough at times. Throw COVID into the mix and things can easily escalate. One Plus One is a charity that creates resources that can strengthen relationships. And to find out more, we're joined by the director, Penny Mansfield, CBE. The charity was founded by Dr Jack Dominion, who was head of psychological medicine at the Middlesex Hospital in London. He was concerned about the number of families that he saw in terms of their mental health, where there were relationship difficulties or issues conflict maybe between the adults and he could see the impact on their health and on the children's health. So he got together with five people and they all put £50 in a pot and that was the beginning. That was in 1971. And I joined the organisation in the sort of mid to late 70s. I got the job to run the longitudinal study, which is a study following people from when they first got together. Three months after they got married, we interviewed each partner separately, but simultaneously. And that's quite important. (laughs) And then we returned and interviewed them again five years later, when about two thirds of them had become parents. And I wrote a book with my colleague, Jean Collard, called The Beginning of the Rest of Your Life with a question mark, which was a quote from one of the couples saying, that's what marriage is, it's the beginning of the rest of your life. And then we were able, through the government, to go back and look at the outcomes of those marriages in terms of whether they ended after 20 years. And it was a very interesting study. I mean, I had only just got married myself, I think. And by the time it came to looking at the families five years later, I was pregnant with my first child. So a lot of resonance between my own experience and what I was following and studying. What was particularly interesting is that after the first lot of interviews, our research team, so we had two interviewers for each family because the interviews were simultaneous, looked at all the evidence from the interviews and predicted on the basis of what we knew from all the kinds of research studies, which relationships that we thought would break up. So that was sort of round about a year after the first interviews. And when we saw the results, 20 years of who had divorced, we got every breakup except one, but we predicted more. So that was really interesting because it does show you the power of socio-psychological evidence in terms of being able to predict relationships which may flounder but what it also shows is we predicted more and what the story there is is the people who had lots of things going against them but those relationships lasted. In the military we see a lot of challenges around long periods of separation, frequent moves, so there's a lot of stress on families. And so a lot around what you talk about is similar to what we say when military spouses are looking for work is around targeted interventions to help people help themselves. Could you um, describe a little bit more around the sort of interventions that you do use and the sort of things that you teach people about relationships? Yes, well, when we, we started out, we were very much informing doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, health visitors. 
But we decided to actually go what they refer to as upstream to get early intervention. And part of that was to create Click Relationships, which is a website. It's a pretty unique early intervention service giving digital relationship support from a, a mobile friendly and easily accessible platform. Our mission now is to strengthen relationships in couples, which is where we started off, but also in families generally, in communities, workplaces. How we do that is through using evidence-based training and the digital resources. So the great thing about Click is it gives people a secure space, and that's very important, to learn about and strengthen their relationships. And we feature advice that is based on the latest evidence. People can discuss things with other members of the online community. They have access to tailored professional support through the listening room. We use a lot of animations and cartoons based on real cases and evidence to really help people with interactive learning. And everybody and anybody who's in a relationship or wants to learn more about them can use Click. So for me, having been involved with this organization for quite a long time, I can't tell you how exciting it is to be able to bring all that very rich understanding of relationships into people's homes directly so they can use it to improve their relationship, to decide whether they want to stay in the relationship, to think about how their relationships impact upon other people in their family, obviously most notably their children, to think about really how work impacts upon their relationships at home and the other way around. So yeah, for me, that's what I always wanted to see. And I know for the founder, when he first saw our online efforts, and he was then a very elderly man, he said to one of my younger colleagues, this is what I always wanted, but I didn't know that that would be what it would be. So it's rooted in relationship science and behaviour change theory, isn't it? So this is real science behind this. This isn't just sort of there, there, it's okay. You're giving people practical. And most interestingly, I thought, was that it's actually the cost of the wider economy related to relationship breakdown is over £51 billion, which is huge. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think we're understanding that even more now with living through COVID because, you know, sometimes people think, oh, people who have relationship problems are the kinds of people who have relationship problems. And there is, it's true that certainly people who have very difficult upbringings, who've suffered with physical and mental health issues maybe, and obviously poverty, their relationships are often complicated by that. But what we know from the present situation is that all kinds of families who, in a way, saw themselves as being okay or okay-ish, because they're having to deal with the impact upon their livelihoods, working from home and homeschooling, all sorts of issues that probably military families might say, well, we're always having to deal with that level of change. And of course, they're right. But I think maybe everybody's feeling a little bit more in that same boat. And this is where being able to access help online at any time, whenever you need it, is so important. Because sometimes what you need is to be able to think, I'm not the only one. And then what you need to do is if you have the desire to do something to 
sort of improve the relationship, you've got easy access to evidence-based approaches that we know work. Because you can read lots of stuff and say, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if I could try that. But having the confidence that this is something that has been tried and tested and has worked for a lot of people makes whatever time you put into doing it worthwhile. So really, how do you have a, a healthy discussion around simple things like loading the dishwasher or picking up the children for school? What we're seeing in recruitment spouses in the last five years in particular is there's so many more spouses going to work now and working, and yet our serving partners are still very much abroad, away on courses. So a lot of the responsibilities of the home lie with the non-serving spouse. So you talked about the listening room. Is it something that people just go online or through the website? How do they access it? The listening room is available through Click and as a part of certain packages of programmes that we do. So, for example, we have a package for newish parents called Me, You and Baby Two. We also do training called How to Argue Better. There's a number of things. If you're interested, go and look at the one plus one website but look at the click which is where we have all our things that are direct to the public but i'd say one of the things that might be particularly useful for military families and particularly where this thing of the non-serving spouse wanting maybe to start to go back to work and just to have something outside of being the main supporter of the family we've done a lot of work on what i'd call tricky conversations and we apply that in lots of different contexts, but it's such a common thing where people say, I try to raise something with my partner, and it could be about going back to work, it could be about worries that they have about something. And we found that actually helping people with these arguments to learn the skills and to learn the sequence of the skills has been really important in actually making sure that those conversations don't end up in tears, recrimination, you know, slam doors, the children being upset. And I think the really encouraging thing is because these are all evidence-based, we can all do it. It's just about understanding the steps to be able to have that conversation. Now that is available in a number of the things that we produce. And I could take you through some of that if that was helpful. But I think that's the key thing is to break down what we know from really reliable studies into bite-sized things that families can start to use, particularly when things start to get a bit difficult. Are there any telltale signs of that's how your relationship is? Because, you know, you talk to a lot of people and in their eyes, the relationship is amazing. They never argue. They've got this perfect relationship when in actual fact, they do argue quite a lot. And everything you just said there, where they can go and get help, and they can even prevent these arguments from happening. But in order to prevent them from happening, you've got to acknowledge that they are happening. So are there any telltale signs that that is where your relationship is heading and you do need to maybe think about getting some help? Well, I think you'll know the things. I mean, it's very normal to have falling outs hmm. and to simply find that, you know, one minute, you know, you were cooking supper together or getting breakfast with the kids and suddenly you just feel very angry with each other and you fall out over things. And obviously there are decisions that people have to make all the time. And it's how do I approach that? Or maybe you're wanting to make a point to your partner 
about the way they've behaved in terms of telling a child off or whatever, and you can see the child's upset. I mean, every family, I'm sure, every day has a point at which they could fall out quite seriously. Mm. Now, most families find a way of being able to manage that in some way or another, or they manage it by simply slamming a door, sulking, and that actually doesn't, I mean, it might make you feel better slamming the door, <laughs> but it doesn't actually resolve it. So part of all kinds of relationships are, how do you resolve when you don't see things from the same point of view? Or you actually want to express yourself and explain that you're upset about something. And these are the kinds of skills that not just help you get out of tricky situations or help you communicate better and express your feelings more, but they also can be incredibly important in terms of building the right kind of atmosphere for your children. Because the evidence of the impact of parental fallouts on children is really, I mean, we first produced a review of it in 2001 called Not in Front of the Children with a Question Mark, because people thought that as long as you didn't have the argument in front of the children, they weren't aware of it. And the evidence is absolutely not the case. Children mm. hear what's going on, even if they're upstairs and you're downstairs. But the good news is that families that kind of work fairly well, they have those arguments too, but they understand the difference between constructive conflict yeah. and destructive conflict. And so they, they go more on the constructive than the destructive. In fact, they try to avoid those. And this is where I feel there's so much we could do to improve our own mental health and wellness and that of our children if we just availed ourselves of these kind of evidence-based ideas, how we can apply them in our own life. I was watching Loose Women the other day because it's an amazing show and I watch it all the time. And on there, they were talking about arguments and they were saying just how important it is to actually not shield it away from the children. Let the children see you arguing because, you know, it's real life. And in the child's life, at some point, they are going to experience arguments. That's true. And that, when I talked about the difference between destructive and constructive, it's very important for children to see a resolution at the end. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, there's some way in which you say, okay, we'll, we'll work that one out or, or something like that. The things that children really find very difficult, and actually we would as adults, is when someone is really hostile, um, that you can't get some agreement going, that very unkind things are said or there's pushing and shoving. I mean, all sorts of things that happen in all families because people particularly, and I, I take the example of COVID because I think the intensity of being together in the way that has happened over the last couple of months means that, you know, tempers get frayed. But in How to Argue Better, many of the families found it really, well, such a relief to know that you know, they're not expected to be saints. Arguments are natural and normal, but they do find a way of doing it. And also, they teach their children. Children learn by what they see. So these very simple sort of steps from, first of all, trying to calm yourself when you want to raise something that is a bit tricky, then how to listen really, really well, so that listening isn't just what the other person is saying, it's reading signs of their mood and their feeling, and then being able to see it from their point of view. Because basically, they may have a point about why they don't agree with you or why they 
don't want to listen to what you have to say. And then learning to sort of always speak about things in terms of I, you know, not saying, well, the trouble with you is you never do this. But to say, when you say that, I feel this. And it takes the heat out of things, but it means you're sort of communicating very clearly something about your own feelings. And it usually makes your partner feel less threatened. And then simply getting into the, what we would call a more business-like conversation. You know, when you're talking to somebody in a work situation or something, you don't shout and scream at them, but you do, you try to be clear about what you want. You try to be polite. And you're trying to reach a solution that will work because that's what it's all about. Then to go on to manage those differences in negotiation, you you each have a solution, you know. Well, I think it would be better if I was allowed to do this or I'm wanting to do work outside of looking after the family and it's not going to threaten everything. So you start to say, well, I could look for something like this. And you listen to the other person saying, well, yeah, okay, yeah, if you were to do that, and then, well, I could maybe do a bit more to help you with things that you're doing at home. And you get to this business where you can collaborate, you can work it out. Now, that means you've got a solution to try. doesn't mean that solution is going to be perfect. You've got to see how it goes and be prepared to adapt it, but to do it together, to work it out. Now, I can say that sort of little sequence that I've just given you is the basis of so much of the work that we have done and we have seen couples really come out of that you know whether they are trying to co-parent after separation or one of them is trying to convince the other person that they should be moving to another area because it's better for the children or they want to be near another relative or wanting to do a job outside the home which i'm thinking particularly in the military family situation it really does work really interesting points and actually one thing that you'll hear a lot of military spouses say is that they build up resentment because say you are working your husband gets posted usually at very short notice could be anywhere yeah. in the world very very hard not to build resentment and we become very resilient what would you say to a spouse who at the moment is feeling quite resentful towards their serving partner like they're coming home really late what would you say to anybody who's feeling that resentment right now Well, you know, that thing about staying calm, if there's something you want to say to your partner, and if you start the conversation with anger in a distressed state, even though you may feel quite resentful, you've got to start it in a way where you can kind of keep hold of your feelings. So there are lots of ways and, you know, deep breathing and not being too resentful. This whole thing of just actually saying, look, I'm finding this really difficult. And I think that this is affecting our family and let, I'd really like to talk to you about how we could make this better. So you're not laying an accusation, you're making a statement of what it's like for you and you're making it clear that you do want to collaborate and you want something best for the family. It's very hard if you feel very angry with your partner and you feel that they are resentful and I think that's why you really need to open it up so that you can then listen to their reaction. And often, you know, partners become very defensive, not surprisingly. Well, you know, we all become defensive if we think someone's having a go at us. And it may even be that we think they've got good reason to feel what they feel. But because we feel that they're attacking us, we defend ourselves. And we're ready to say, well, you know, it's not as bad as that, for God's sake, and and all that kind of way of coming back. But if we give them that calmness, 
and that demonstration that you're listening. So when your partner comes back and says, well, you know, I'm finding it difficult too, you can then say, okay, let's talk about that. Tell me what you find difficult. And then this thing about really trying to find a solution. I mean, in the end, all relationships rely upon being able to share your different experiences and to be understood by each other without feeling that one is more important than the other. They are both valuable. You know, you're both two individuals in this relationship. And of course, the children, because we did a piece of work recently where we've done these very short clips of getting parents to see how when they disagree, and these are not necessarily parents who are on the way to breaking up, but they're angry with each other about something and they start to argue and they forget that the child is sitting there maybe at the kitchen table or pretending to watch the telly or something. And the parents suddenly find themselves in a, like an observation room and they're looking in on themselves and they can see the child in the middle of it. And these have been very, very successful because parents are sort of taken aback. They're surprised at how angry they are with each other because they didn't necessarily feel quite as angry as they felt it when they looked at it from their child's point of view. And they started on that basis to say, look, we've got to do this differently. So I think we could all benefit from being caught, you know, like the sort of the old candid camera thing and sort of looking at ourselves, looking at each other and saying, come on, what are we going to do about it? You were talking about COVID earlier, Penny, and it got me thinking about stuff that I've seen on social media. Lots of people basically talking about how hard it's been both being at home at the same time. You know, in the armed forces community, you've maybe got the spouse staying at home and the serving person deployed or at work all day. But on social media at the moment, they're like, oh, he's at home all day. He's in my face all day and I can't bear it. So just thinking about that, and I'm sure it happens a lot in Civvy Street as well, but are you finding more people using your service now because of COVID and because they are together so much and maybe arguing a lot more than they used to? Oh, I mean, people accessing our services have just gone up, I think, about threefold. I think you'll find all the organisations that are supporting family relationships are finding the same kind of thing. And I suppose many people think when things are getting difficult, oh my gosh, does this mean it's the end of the relationship? And maybe it's a relationship that was not going very well and it's just really brought it into the light. But I think that's the big question for any of us in that situation. Is it good enough to stay or bad enough to go? And I think more people are asking themselves because their worlds have been turned upside down and they're in a sort of pressure cooker environment. And what we don't want to happen is that people then make decisions that are based on this pressure cooker environment that they might regret later. We also want for them to be aware the children are part of the mix of this. Mm. And when we didn't have this, I mean, you had people like, you know, friends and neighbours and granny or somebody who might be able to actually take some of the pressure off. But all of the people that we used to turn to or used to kind of take the kids off your hands or take the pressure off, yeah. they can't be drawn in. So it is a much more intense time. People are drinking more. And one of the pieces of work we've done is called Just Another One, which is basically looking at how when people are feeling stressed and not feeling able to communicate that with their partner, they often do drink as a way of relaxing. 
this is not necessarily about the road to alcoholism. It's just about drinking that little bit more and that little bit more. And it becomes then the source of arguments and perhaps quite difficult behaviours. And because online means that in COVID, you can get that help. Even our training, we did a training recently for people working in local authorities. And we were amazed we had 650 people took part in that. There's a lot we're learning from COVID, both about how to help people and how to encourage people to help themselves because they can't go into a counsellor. They might be able to have a counsellor online, but sometimes you're trying to substitute for their friends who might give them good advice or members of their family. I think that's a really important element in this. And do you think that COVID has almost helped what you do, as in got it out there more to people? Because as I said earlier, People are together more, they're arguing more, and they now know that you are there and your services are there and you're there to help them. And they're probably going to come back and use you again in the future if they need to. So do you think that COVID has almost boosted what you do and it's helped people realise that you're there to offer the help? Yes, I think that is true. And I think some people would who had never have got the kind of help that we can offer as opposed to, you know, talking it through with a friend, but something that's more evidence-based and perhaps can deal with slightly more serious problems, I think they are being able to access those things that they wouldn't have been able to get before. I mean, thinking about military families in particular, I mean, my husband's a journalist and he used to cover wars and he covered dangerous places. And he would just go off, you know, the desk would send him off at a day's notice and, you know, he'd be away for a couple of weeks. And I sort of have that sense of what that's like, both as a, a wife having to fill in and as trying to assure the children, you know, is daddy going to be all right and all that kind of thing. So I think that's really important that military families understand that their relationships are put under extreme strains at certain times because of the demands of that job. Different jobs have different demands, but there's a particular one here because it requires the family to adapt around the serving officer. I, you know, attended the online launch of Living in Our Shoes. The Secretary of State said that they will be looking at it carefully and everything else. I really hope they do. And I think that the public may be much, much more sympathetic to military families now because there is a sense, A, of all being in it together, but actually realising that this whole thing about roles and responsibilities and the uncertainty and just being moved, you know, having to sort of move from one thing to another. Now, obviously, many people aren't actually literally having to move, but they're having to shift from online learning to the kids going back to school to working from home. I actually think maybe many people will be much, much more aware of why military families need specific support. That's really good to hear, and I'm so glad you made reference to the Sellers report. Around the kind of family relationship piece that they did mention, what was there anything in particular that you saw that really stood out? Well, no, in fact, for somebody who's been following this for a long time, there was nothing very, very surprising. I mean, I, I had some link with military family organisations, and so I just think it's brought it into the light, just what people have always had to deal with in these kinds of situations. I just think the public were not as aware, but there's nothing like having a similar experience, which you see as being, God, that's been awful, but actually it's temporary and thinking, actually, other people, that's their way of life. I think the more that we can 
get people to recognize the different strains on families, just as we're realizing the strains on families of not being able to see elderly relatives or people in care homes. I really hope that the empathy that many people are showing doesn't get lost when things get back to whatever the new normal eventually is. And the recognition, you know, that some families really financially are going to take a long time to get back to where they were. I certainly find that perhaps because the media is covering it more, I don't know. But I, I would like to see the MOD really understanding this in terms of the modern military families, because clearly the kinds of sacrifices, in quotes, that people probably made in the past are not really realistic for more modern families. And obviously the role of the military has changed and will change ever more. But I just feel very hopeful that the case could be made very clearly. And I think families need to support families. And I'm seeing more employers as a result of lockdown beginning to actually say, oh gosh, we ought to think about the link between work and home, which again is a piece of work that we did about eight years ago looking at the impact of work on home and the impact of home on work. And what was very clear is that employers thought that families put pressure on their employees, didn't see so much about how family life was impacted by work. And once they began to see that, the most enlightened ones said, well, we've got to do something about that, because they were ready to give them access to mental health services when things got really bad. But they weren't looking at some of the small ways in which you can build a rhythm to family work, work family, that just makes life more bearable for everybody in the family. There's some really good points that you said there, Penny. We could probably talk for so long. I mean, one thing that I did really take out of that is just that rhythm and, and doing that regular sort of thing, check in with your conversations that you're having is a really good sort of takeaway point from this mainly. But Interestingly, also what you said about the MOD and how it's changing, and that's something that we are all very aware of. And the homeschooling thing as well has been really difficult for particular military families. I know a lot of military spouses who are working as well as homeschooling. They are really struggling with it at the moment and finding it really tough. So those coping mechanisms that you mentioned earlier, I'm sure will be really useful. And we will use that in the fact sheet as well. But yes, this is so interesting and really fascinating. And if there's anything that you would say, if there was anybody listening that was from the MOD about families and, you know, in particular with the Sellers report, because we believe that families are really the bedrock. And if you've got a, a happy home and a happy life, then everything else is so much easier. And we know that the ladies and guys, they can't do their jobs without their families. So what would you say to the MOD about families if there was one thing you could say to them right now? You wouldn't have an effective defence set up if you didn't have families to support those people. I think so often the idea is that the family is just there to mop up what's coming from work because work is so important and, you know, work is productive. I just like to see a little bit more equality between what happens at work and what happens at home. But I think the thing is that people who are experiencing supportive relationships at home are also very much more effective in the workplace because they're, they're less stressed, they're less angry. So, you know, from any employer, and particularly the, the MOD, to make sure that family life is recognised and valued and the people who keep the home fires burning 
are seen as being a really important part of your strategy for building an effective way of defending the nation. And I think for taxpayers and everybody to actually take that on board. I'd like to bring back this thing about how to argue better, because I think when we chose that title, people tend to see things like conflict and people having difficult relationships as being a kind of road to break up. But I, I am very sad when I see people breaking up unnecessarily because they can't find a way of communicating and being themselves without appearing to be against their partner. So it becomes a battle. And that's where I think learning about these skills and how they work, they are so important in terms of our mental health because we feel less stressed, we feel more supported if we've got a partner who understands us, and if we can explain ourselves to somebody. And I keep coming back to children because, I mean, in the end, you know, the old things about what your parents do to you, they don't mean to, but they do. It's so true. And most of us would just want to be able to help our children have the best lives they can. And I think we've got much more resources in ourselves to do it there is so much available online of such high quality now. And do check out what OnePlus One is offering. You know, these have been evaluated and they are really strong. And some of them are very entertaining. We have, for example, in Me, You and Baby 2, a lovely little section which is basically he says, she hears. And it's very funny whenever we show it, you know, whether it's to health visitors or to couples, they laugh at it. They laugh at it because they see themselves in it. And I think you need that humour and some of that really good content so that people can say, yeah, it's difficult, but it's not just us. And there are tips and tricks to make this better and we can learn. And that's that whole thing about how to argue better. It's not about being perfect. It's just about how to keep the conversations going and to just go on being supportive of each other in spite of all the irritations which are part of life. That's really lovely to hear, Penny, and thank you so much again for coming on. So we could have talked to you for so long about many other subjects, but I think you've given us some really good nuggets to take away for many military families out there. Thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) 